Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back. It's another edition of Coaching Chatter here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for uh, professionals. we got a great show lined up for you today. I'm Corey Burton. I'm your host. Joining me is two guys that have devoured enough catfish to last them a week. They, uh, they're they fighting the food coma. Kurt Page and Craig Ladd, how you guys doing? Doing well. I, I, it was Catfish Friday night at the Old Country Diner, and uh, Coach Page and I, we partook. It was incredible. Had great white beans and uh, fries and uh, really nice. Craig shared his uh, – shared his uh, some of his – what you share with me tonight? <laughs> you need everything. I ate most of it. Hush puppies. Hush puppies, yes. Love some hush puppies. So we're ready to talk some football. This coaching chatter is getting turned up tonight. Well, this chatter ought to wake you up. So um, we are brought to you by betonline.ag. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you're looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. So uh, who, who, who you got this weekend in the divisional games? Is, does Cleveland have a chance? They're 10-point dogs. I don't think so. I think they, uh, uh, you know, obviously it was the beginning of that Pittsburgh game was totally shocking uh, the way they raced out to the lead they have. But I think they've met their match uh, when it comes to the Chiefs. Uh, they are very, very good. Uh, you know, they have got uh, the wonder kid at quarterback and uh, the other wonder kid is at wide receiver and Tyree Hill and uh, – uh, you know, they, they just have been unstoppable. And I, I, I just do not see Cleveland stopping them, and I don't think they can score with them. Well, last year, you remember last year, Houston raced out to 24 to nothing lead. So we'll see coming off the bye week. But Andy Reid is uh, nearly perfect uh, off the bye weeks and playing in the playoffs. So I think he won't let that happen two years in a row. And uh, But, you know, who knows? You know, that's why they play the game. But um, I tell you what, though, if they get the big lead on those guys – Cleveland Browns can run the football, and they're committed to the run, so it could be different. But I see the Chiefs taking care of business. Yeah, I think so too. It's tempting to it's tempting to take Cleveland to at least cover, but because that's a big spread in the playoffs. But Kansas City can score and score quickly and score often. So the other the other games, the Rams at Packers, <clears throat> Rams six six and a half point dogs, uh, the Bucks and the Saints, old man football. Uh, Tampa Bay is actually three point underdogs there. Uh, New Orleans looking for the uh, looking for the hat trick against Tampa, and then Buffalo is two and a half point home favorites over the Ravens. That game is probably the most difficult to pick because um, it almost seems like it's easy money. As as hot as Baltimore is at plus two and a half, it almost seems like easy money there. 
Well, I think you gotta, you're got you going to have to contend with the weather. You don't know what – and the fact that it's being played at night makes it even worse. Uh, you know, and it, it just to, – to me, I think the weather is going to make a difference in this ball game. And obviously, uh, Buffalo is used to that uh, type of uh, uh, the wind, the snow – uh, the cold, all of the above. Uh, I think uh, I'd take Buffalo in that ball game. I think Buffalo's got a strong team. I think they're making a lot of big strides this year. Um, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. I'm going to say he pulls the upset two weeks in a row and and uh, does a great job of uh, possessing the ball, making plays. Um I think their defense will rise up, and I think they've got a good good enough running attack. So I'm looking for the upset. I'm looking for the Ravens to to uh, win the ball game outright, getting the two and a half points, and playing uh, next for the for the AFC Championship. See, I, th- I think one of the uh, weaknesses that Baltimore has is pass defense, and uh, you know you saw the Titans hit a few long passes on them. Uh, last week, and, and they couldn't sustain drives, which was the reason they couldn't win. Uh, but they did hit a few, a few deep shots on uh, with AJ Brown, and and the the Bills have a more potent passing attack than the Titans do with Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and and uh, Gabriel Davis. Uh, you know they have a pretty good trio of, of receivers to get the ball to, and uh, they have Devin Singletary out of the backfield. So um, combine that with the fact that Josh Allen. Can get it done with his legs. I I, I like Buffalo here. So, um, but those are some spreads uh, that you guys can bet on from game spreads and totals to team and player coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So, guys, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot of movement in the NFL. A lot of teams finally making decisions. Uh, a lot of coaching staffs in college are coming together. Uh, Sarkeesian is moving very fast, putting his staff together, uh, putting his Longhorn staff together. Uh, some things that uh, we can d- discuss in that world. Uh, plus, we'll, we'll get into a lot of the NFL coaching moves because uh, that seems to be where all the action is right now. So, <clears throat> one of the biggest stories of the week, uh, Urban Meyer – coming out of retirement to go to Jacksonville, probably going to take Trevor Lawrence with him and, uh, and, and start a new culture down in the Duval. So Kurt, what, uh, you know, what jumps out about this hire? Well, I think, I think it's going to be a, you know, he, it's going to be a really interesting thing because Jacksonville, they want to have a winning team. They've been supportive and they've stuck with the team. And I think there's a really good chance that with uh, the quarterback, that they'll get. They've got a lot of draft picks. And I think you'll have a young enough squad that he can change the culture and change the, the environment and make sure those guys are going to play hard and play together. And uh, he's a great coach. So uh, the biggest thing is can he handle some some losses along the way? And that was a big thing that Jimmy Johnson had to transition from the Miami Hurricanes to the Dallas Cowboys. But uh, he did a great job. And he says, and they say he's really confided a lot in Jimmy Johnson. So We'll see how Urban Meyer plays uh, in the NFL, and uh, we're hoping he does very, very well because that'd be good to see a college coach of his stature have some success in the Sunshine State. What do you think, Craig? 
about it. I, I agree. I mean, as you're coming in as the head coach, you get to one decide who your quarterback's going to be. You get to pick your franchise quarterback. That's going to be Trevor Lawrence, the first pick in the draft. You also get to pick who you want to be the GM, which is huge uh, when it comes to this. Also, uh, as you mentioned, Kurt, they they have eleven draft picks in this coming draft. Uh, that that's going to really shape your team, and they have a ton of cap money. Uh, Roughly, if not, oh, a little over $100 million to spend. So all the ingredients were there for Urban Meyer. To me, like I said, if he didn't take this one, I don't think he would have taken anything. Uh, This is set up for him uh, perfectly. Uh, If he's going to get back in it, this was the perfect storm, and obviously he's done that. Well, he had a pretty good opportunity at, at, at the Chargers, too. I mean, you step in with a great rookie of the year quarterback in Justin Herbert in a lineup full of uh, Pro Bowl talent. So he had two opportunities, I think. And, and I think if uh, the Jags didn't get him, I think the Chargers would have offered him. And I think he would have gone there and would have been a great fit. But uh, for, uh, for the Jaguars, you know, I, I think for him reaching out to Jimmy Johnson, that is 1,000% the right move. Um, somebody who made who was successful making the leap from college to to the NFL. Not all not all coaches are successful. Even even the great one Nick Saban failed miserably with the Miami Dolphins. <clears throat> it's a different beast, um, and it's even uh, a different beast from when he was defensive coordinator uh, for the Browns in '95 or in the early '90s with Bill Belichick to you know, the mid-2000s when he became head coach of the Dolphins. A lot changed in that time period uh, as far as players and salaries and, you know, going from in the mid-90s, early 90s, you're Coach Saban to, you know, 2006, you are, uh, you're you're being referred to as Nick. So, uh, you know, things like that, little things like that probably bothered him. And, and that's, you know, I, I just think that his wheelhouse is dealing with 18 to 22-year-old kids and molding them into 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 young men. So for Urban Meyer, we'll see what, you know, we'll see kind of how he responds to the pro game, how the pro players respond to Urban Meyer's coaching style. It's a different style of development. So let's see if he can let's see if he can get this thing going. I I think I what he's done at every stop that he that he's been at gives me confidence that he can do well. Hopefully he can sustain it. Um, because you get a little bit of trouble, and next thing you know, you're on the hot seat. And next thing you know, you're packing your bags, and and, and the next guy's coming in. So, um, you know, kudos to kudos to Urban, kudos to uh, Jacksonville. Looks like they're going to get a chance to pretty much rebuild their roster from the ground up. Uh, so he's going to have a lot of input with that. We'll see how many Buckeyes he. Uh, he he uh, drafts in, in this upcoming draft. Um, he has a doesn't look like he has quite the, the decision at the number one overall spot with Trevor Lawrence, but um, I'm excited to see what he does with this roster. I'm, I'm curious. Um, never really been an Urban fan, um, but I'm curious and I'm intrigued to see what he's going to do uh, with this Jaguars roster. So um, you know, hats off to them for 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 making the decision. You know, guys, you talk about the Jimmy Johnson uh, comparison, you know, him reaching out to Jimmy Johnson. The reason he reached out to Jimmy Johnson because Jimmy Johnson came into an identical situation. You know, he came in, the Cowboys were 
downtrodden. He was able to take his quarterback that he wanted, as in Troy Aikman with the number one pick. And then, you know, the great thing about Jimmy Johnson was his ability to assess uh, assess talent. You know, that being, you know, he, he had Emmett Smith fall down to him, you know, late in the first round. So many teams passed on him. He takes Emmett Smith all the way to uh, Michael Irvin. And then we even get down further, for example, uh, Leon Lett, you know, who nobody knew who Leon Lett was. And he turned into a pro perennial Pro Bowl player for them. That's just one of the guys. I mean, he was incredible at assessing talent. And as we have seen since, Dallas uh, and their owner, Mr. Jones, have not had that same ability to, uh, to, to be able to assess talent and get what they need to get in there to be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, that was a case where, <clears throat> excuse me, that was a case where ego was not Jerry Jones' amigo. Uh, let it let it get in his way and uh, and just ruin a, a what could have been a like six championship uh, type relationship. So, one of the things also about Jimmy Johnson is uh, he made a trade for Charles Haley, which at the time Charles Haley had played his way out of San Francisco got into a lot of trouble, was starting to become a cancer in the locker room, and, and it was, you know, it was rumored that he couldn't get it done anymore and that he was about to be washed up. And so San Francisco said, oh, okay, you want him? <laughs> Here you go. You can have him. Good luck. And he made him into a Pro Bowl uh, rush linebacker. And just taking somebody that was thought of in that light and making him – getting every ounce of talent out of him uh, for the remainder of his career in Charles Haley. That was impressive. The trade. Uh, Absolutely. The, the the Herschel Walker trade. Everybody thought he was crazy. Trade um, your best player. Yeah, and, and he was kind of crazy. <laughs> but he had to do that to rebuild the roster, to, to get all of those draft picks. Jacksonville's done that with, with their guys, with Fournette, Calais Campbell, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, they, they've let go of all of those guys. And they've acquired all these draft picks. Now it's a matter of can the general manager get it done? Can Urban and the general manager and that scouting staff, can they draft the right guys? Can they get those guys in place? They have a great backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew, um, which Gardner Minshew not starting the last three games was just reeked of tanking. So uh, (laughs) very masterful plan there. Um, (laughs) You have a great core of receivers with uh, DJ Shark, LaVisca Chenault, uh, Chris Conley. Uh, you have to think they're going to add somebody down the down the road. Um, Colin Johnson, big 6'6 target out of Texas, uh, somebody that kind of emerged later in the season. So you have a core of, of players, young players, that can get this thing done. So it's going to be a really young, inexperienced team for the most part. And so it's going to kind of – Urban is going to kind of grow with the team, and so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that how that strategy plays out, Kurt. Yeah, it is. Uh, one of the big things, too, is uh, the staff that he's putting together. I already understand that Charlie Strong is coming to join his staff as a defensive staff member. That's going to be big. And uh, Scott Linehan, I think, from the Dallas Cowboys, is rumored to come over there. So, you know, the, the thing will be interesting to see how many – guys he's going to have with the NFL track record and guys that uh, are coming from college 
I think the more guys that he can hire with the NFL track record will will boast well for him, and I think he'll be able to do that. And uh, and also some of the guys that have made really big jumps from college that are assistant coach in the NFL, I look for him to try to navigate towards some of those guys that are on some staffs right now. So uh, Charlie Strong's been with Nick Saban since he was let loose from Texas. Uh, probably probably going to look at maybe Tom Herman. I bet Tom Herman makes his way back together with Urban. Uh, so it, it's going to be – he's going to put together a good staff and then get some guys from the NFL. But he also will have some guys that have pedigree from the national uh, stage in college football. Greg, you know who's not going to sign is Zach Smith. Uh, yes, that's very true. You know, I think a key to this also, guys, is, is how much losing can his ego take. Uh, he's not used to losing. He's never lost anywhere he's gone. Uh, that Bowling Green, you know, he took them. Utah, you know, we can go on and on and on. Three national championships. How much can his ego take losing? Because he's going to take his lumps, especially that first year. He's going to take his lumps. I mean, I, you know, obviously when Troy Aikman was with the Cowboys, he only won one game his rookie season. Will that be the same for Trevor Lawrence? I, I don't know. How much can Urban Meyer's ego take losing? Well, uh, just depends. Uh, I mean, they've got. I mean, like I said, they've got some talent built around there. So, I, I don't think they're gonna go. I don't think they're gonna be that parallel with the Cowboys, where they go one and fifteen again um, next season, because I think they have too much talent surround. They'll have too much talent surrounding Trevor Lawrence still that. They could probably, I mean, I think worst case scenario is five and eleven, which is still, you know, a shot to the ego. So we'll we'll see if he we'll see if he figures out a way to retire back into TV. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a it's it's something to definitely take into consideration. Well, we all know that Jacksonville has not um, ever been to the Super Bowl, right? So I mean, so Correct. anything anything he can get them to. I mean, if he goes. If he has, if he puts together an eight and eight, nine and seven, he puts together a little. They'll, they'll put a statue up for that guy. So I mean, they'll be having, they'll be excited because uh, you know they, they, they're you know they're a community that loves football. I mean, you know that Corey with uh-huh. the, the largest cocktail party they host every year, and yeah. uh, so so they've got they've got fans there. They've got football fans, and they've they got their win. slogan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they want to win. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm not so concerned about him losing these games. I am seeing – I want to see that, you know, the thing that he's going to get used to is uh, he can move some roster spots around, and maybe he didn't wasn't able to do that at all, you know, to the level he'll be able to do it in the NFL. And by hiring his own general manager, he's going to be really heavily involved in a lot of areas that are going to make a difference. And, uh, and like you said earlier, Craig, we'll see how he can evaluate talent assess talent and develop talent and that will be the key uh because they got a lot of draft picks they got a lot of cap space but you know all of a sudden you put those big deals out there 100 million in cap space i think yeah but if you if you miss on a couple of those guys you're you're in a bad position you're in a bad hole because you're you're obligated to that money and you don't have any dead money so it's a whole new ball game for him and i know he wants to be a he's a lifelong learner and I think he will – if anybody can study it and learn it, I think he can do it. And by going to four or five different programs at collegiate level and having success at all the levels, 
uh, I think he'll have a great shot at it. So Tebow's on line one. Tim Tebow <laughs> yeah. on line one. Uh, he's, got, he's got him a room. I think Tebow's going to let him stay at his house for a while. I don't think go. he has to worry about it, but no. um, he'll probably stay on a boat right there in Jacksonville Beach. So they'll draft Trevor Lawrence, and then he'll bring in uh, Tebow and Alex Smith to uh, – to to take a take the timeshare of the quarterback position until Trevor Lawrence learns it, so um, that'll be fun. But no, uh, in all seriousness, <clears throat> uh, I think it'll end up being a good hire. I've been back and forth on this. Um, a lot of it's just because I'm not really a fan of Urban, but um, I do appreciate what he's the success that he's had everywhere he's been. Uh, I can respect the fact that he's done a good job, um, and I can trust that he'll do a great job moving forward. So. Uh, Another team that made a move, which I think it's a perfect fit given the culture that they're in. Uh, they were the second team to uh, to announce a hire. Uh, the New York Jets. They're out of our, they're outside of our footprint, uh, but I, I think that they're low key might have got the best hire on the board, Robert. And I can't. I'm. I don't think I'm ever going to get this guy's name right, no matter how many times you tell me. It's kind of like that kid at Clemson, DJ Ongiolele. Um Robert's Robert Salea. I think that's his name. Uh, if you're listening, Coach Shalea, I, I I apologize if I butchered your name. Um, we ought to have you on the show, and, and you can set me straight. But now the guy the guy is intense. The guy uh, is loved by his players. I think he'll be a great fit in New York. He'll bring that tough, disciplined uh, attitude that they need uh, in in that division. And they have a a small nucleus of of, of uh, good young players, and I think they have. They have the number two pick, uh, and and then I think they have a bunch of picks too uh, in in this draft, and uh, you know they'll have some decisions to make. They'll really have a decision to make at number two. Do they stick with Sam Darnold, and do you pick Devontae Smith? That's the question that that he's probably going to have to answer right away. You know, what do you do with that number two pick? Do you trade down? Do you take Devontae Smith? Give Sam Darnold a a, a weapon on, on that offense that desperately needs a weapon? Uh, do you draft Justin Fields? Ship out? Sam Darnold and just try to figure it out and piecemeal the receiver position, which they've done in the past and it hadn't really worked for them. So what what do you, you know, A, what does Robert Saleh bring to the table? B, what do they do at number two? Well, honestly, I, if it's me, I, I ship out Sam Darnold and I take Justin Fields uh, because of, if, I, I want, if I'm going down, I want my guy in there. I want my guy if I'm going down, I want it to be with my guy. So I, I think they'll take Fields there and get rid of uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, now, he has, as you said before, he has a great reputation. Uh, players love him. Uh, and, you know, he, he's done an outstanding job with that defense in, in San Francisco. Now, again, a key hire for him is going to be his offensive coordinator because the Jets were woeful on offense. Oh, they were pitiful. They were pitiful. And uh, you, you got to think that he's probably going to pluck somebody from the Shanahan tree, right? A Shanahan philosophy because he's seen it work firsthand. So, um, that I, I mean, to me, that favors Darnold, um, if, if you think about it. If you think about the scheme, it's not – they don't really ask too much of the quarterback. Uh, it's really like you run outside zone a ton – ton of different ways so really you need to build up a shed of running backs and then you can have a guy like Sam Darnold and you can have you know you start building up your receiving core you get a Devontae Smith in there 
pair him with Jamison Crowder and Denzel Mims, you got yourself a great receiving core. You start building those running backs up. Sky's the limit there for the Jets eventually. So, Kurt, you know, scheme-wise, does is there any possibility that a Kyle Shanahan-type scheme would would help keep Sam Darnold in New York? Um, I, I think I think I think I no, I think Sam Darnold's out. I think uh, Coach will ha- have. Uh, I think he'll go into Shanahan. I, I'm hearing um, uh, what's uh, Lafleur, Lafleur's brother. His, yes, and he's ready to be a play caller and uh, make it happen. And uh, he's from that same. I mean, he's from that. He's from that Shanahan. So. I think he gets in there. I think you put Trevor Long, you, you trip Justin Fields in there, and you go to work and uh, you make it happen, and you get get some get some get some value from Sam Donald. I think there's going to be a market for that guy. You know, there's a lot of teams going to be looking for a quarterback, but I think he stays in the Shannon, you know, Kyle Shanahan tree, and gets it going with that outside zone and play action passes and and those type of things. So I think I think that's going to be happening. So great hire there. Like I said, he's a great motivator, and he'll he'll bring an attitude to the Jets that they so desperately need. Uh, the third move uh, that happened pretty quick, and this one kind of surprised me because I thought it, I thought the Falcons were going to go in a different direction. I had read earlier that uh, earlier in the week that Eric Bieniemy was kind of the the name that was emerging, uh, and then then here comes Arthur Smith. So Arthur Smith just seems like the generic candidate in the, in this whole pool not a, not a whole lot uh even i feel like there's a lot of titans fans that don't know much about arthur smith but you know you you've seen what he's been able to do managing this offense he's learned from Vrabel. uh he spent time with lafleur uh he spent time with wizen hunt i mean he's been with the titans for a long long time he resurrected ryan Tannehill's career um you know he again he's predicated on play action uh, and, and heavy run game, so you have to think the Falcons are going to invest heavily in the running back position to try to find that next Derrick Henry for him. Uh, so Arthur Smith, you know, what, what what do we know about him? Why? He seems like just kind of a quiet, reserved guy. How is he going to do as the CEO of a franchise that has explosive pieces on offense with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and uh, now Russell Gage, uh, a team that's in desperate need of a running back and a team that has some things to figure out at the quarterback position themselves. Uh, you know, I agree with you. I, I think this came, you know, I, I, we all knew that uh, he, he was going to be get interviews after the, the Titans were eliminated, whatever point that was going to be. Uh, I, I think, I guess, I'm assuming that he, uh, you know, he came into that interview, I don't think, as the leading candidate, I think there were other guys ahead of him. Um, but apparently he wowed them. And, and from what I understand, he is very thorough, uh, tactician. Uh, and I, I think that probably impressed. He probably came in there with a great plan for the Falcons. This is what I'm going to do, A, B, C, D. Uh, and I think it wowed uh, the, the Falcons. And, and, you know, as you said before, you know, Look at Ryan Tannehill. You know, he, he just resurrected his career. I mean, he was rock bottom. The Titans got him for uh, a ham and cheese sandwich, basically. And nobody ever thought he, that he would be the starting quarterback and Marcus Mariota would be gone. 
Lo and behold, he is, and man, he has been outstanding for them. Again, they also have a horse at running back by the name of Mr. Mr. Henry. Uh, you know, and there's not a lot of those guys around. So that helps also. He's also got a horse uh, in Mr. Brown at wide receiver. Uh, so those are three really good weapons that you have that I don't, you know, obviously you got Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, which are outstanding. He's going to have to make a decision on Matt Ryan. What he's going to do with them. He's going to go young. But there are pieces I, there. I don't the think Falcons there's a decision on Matt successful. Ryan. Matt Ryan has $41 million in dead cap space if you cut him. And no team's going to take that contract. So I think you're stuck with him. Uh, it's just a matter of what you do and how, how you manage it. Yeah, I think that I think that's the number one thing. I think that's what he sold them on was he can he's a resurrector of quarterbacks and uh, he made it happen for Tannehill and he'll make that happen for Matt Ryan. He sold them on that and he has a plan, like Craig's mentioned. You know, he will develop Matt Ryan. He'll put the right pieces around him. Uh, they'll play the ball that they need to be able to play. Uh, you know, they'll they'll try to get young. You know, get make sure that they got you know they try to get some linemen in there, and I think that's still a pro, you know in process. So as they keep yeah. developing their talent around, I think they'll be better. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know how much left in the tank for Todd Gurley, but uh, I you think can he's get running. Yeah, you can get running backs, and uh, you can pick up some running backs and do a nice job there and develop those guys. So I think I think he's so you know he's a, he's a Memphis guy. He's he's been in Nashville for a long time, so he's a Southerner. And I think that's going to be that's going to play well for Atlanta. And this is the first time, Corey. You correct me if I'm wrong. This first time Matt Ryan has had a offensive head coach, right? Yeah, because he so, he went from uh, yeah. Mike Smith to um, he went from Mike Smith to Dan Quinn. So yeah, this will be the first time he, he's had an offensive yeah, head coach. And even the interim coach, right, Raheem. I mean, he was Raheem, a defensive yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah so, he was defensive coordinator. So, so, um, so, I, so I think that 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 bode well. And I think uh, I think I think that they could see a relationship that could be built between those two guys. And as the owner and the general manager, that's you've got to piece the right puzzles together to make it successful. And I think I think he fits everything that Matt Ryan would want to do with his career. Yeah, and and the Falcons also uh, circling uh, Fontenot. Uh, uh, from the from the New Orleans Saints as their next GM. He's assistant GM with the uh, New Orleans Saints, so that'll be a good piece. Um, I, I think with, uh, you know, those years of Dimitrov, you know, I think what did him in was missing on too many draft picks, missing on too many offensive line draft picks, defensive line draft picks, and corner draft picks. I mean, you can't just keep drafting corners in the first round every single year and, and, and keep whiffing on them. Uh, you can't draft Vic Beasley in the first round when there's so many other pieces there that you could have gotten that you needed and end up cutting him three four years later and he's out of the league now. That tells you where he's at. Uh, you can't whiff on those offensive linemen. They've whiffed on like uh, the uh, Matthews kid. Uh, they drafted him to be the savior of the offensive line. That has not happened. I mean, he's had an okay career, uh, but for where he was picked – I consider it a bust. So this Fontenot is going to have to come in, and he's going to have to hit. I mean, you know, it's it's not overly difficult to hit on first rounders, uh, but he's going to have to hit on those mid round guys uh, if the Falcons want to have a chance of competing next year. He's going to have to get some rookies in here from the third, fourth, fifth round that are going to hit, 
And that's going to be important because Dimitrov couldn't hit those rounds. So another question is, what do you do with Julio? You know, you there's some tread on that tire. Do you trade him, build a, and, and get additional pieces while you still can? Or because you have Ridley, you have Gage now, and, and, and you have some, you know, there's some young receivers lurking out there. Treadwell has really come on uh, strong for the Falcons. So Laquan Treadwell, who had been injured his entire career uh, in the pros coming out of Ole Miss. So, what, you know, do you trade Julio? I mean, I, I would venture to say that I would be okay trading Julio. He costs you a lot of money, so you're going to get a lot of cap space, and you're going to get probably some draft picks and some some good young pieces. So, the Falcons have a lot to 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 consider. My question to you, Craig, your Arthur Smith, you saw how the players reacted and how hard they played for Raheem Morris. Do you retain Raheem Morris? Yes, if you have the opportunity to. Now, his name has been mentioned as the DC for. Uh, the Jags. Uh, it's been rumored that uh, Urban Myers reached out to him. So I, I think so. Yes, I think you. If you have the opportunity, you keep him. And I think he would stay in Atlanta. I think he likes Atlanta. Kurt. Yeah, I, I think I think you try to surround yourself. It's NFL. It's big board football. So you know you like you commend him what he did, but you got to get the best the best the best fit you can get. And he's an outstanding coach defensively. And uh, I think I think if Urban puts his claws into him, he's probably going to get him. But uh, but I can see I can see him staying. I can see Arthur Smith. He probably uh, they probably like that. I'm sure he probably sold him on that too. That he's going to try to keep the band together, and uh, you know that guy can coach some defense. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens. At least the uh, at least the defensive band. I, you you take those offense coach. You can ship them somewhere else. <laughs> Ship them to New Orleans, actually. You can send them wherever, or Tampa, or wherever. I don't care. Somewhere in the division, that'd be great. Um, especially Dirk Cutter. Not not a fan of his. He's he's very God Almighty. It's like a high school offense in in, in the pros. It's not good. Um, but uh, glad to see it. Glad to see an offensive minded guy come in um, for the Falcons. I, I think that's what they needed. Uh, they needed somebody that uh, you could have and pair with a great offensive coordinator that handles the day to day offensive coordinating duties um, to kind of tag team this, this whole offensive thing, which to me underachieved this year um, that they have way more firepower than they, than they produced. And so um, you, you look to see an uptick in, in, in that regard. So what, what jobs are left? Okay. So you have the Texans who I don't know who the heck they're going to hire. Uh, you have the lions who I think uh, looking like, Saints assistant head coach Dan Campbell has emerged as the favorite. What do you guys think about that? Well, you also got uh, the Chargers job and the, also. And the Chargers. Uh, so who? what direction do the Chargers go? That's a, that's an excellent question. You know, the name that keeps hanging out there is Eric Bieniemy. Uh Why hasn't he not been hired yet? He hadn't been able to really interview right now. So, um that man, that would be awesome. I would love to see what BNME could do in the division <laughs> for that team. Um, you know, that's you know, that's a that's a that's a great stable organization. He's going to get you know, he's going to get his years uh to to make it work. They did that with with uh with Anthony Lynn. They gave him four years. 
uh, and they were patient with him. Most teams will say they give you four years and they give you six games. And if you got it done in six games, you're they've already made the decision to move on. So um, that would be a great hire. I, I would I would love that uh, for for the Chargers. I think they would I think they would do well. So um, who else we got? Well, you also got the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, Dayball, Brian Dayball. Dayball. Brian Dayball, yes. And the way he's developed Josh Allen, I can see him. I can see him going to Houston. That'd be good. That'd be I good think fit. I can see him going there. And I can see Biennami going to San Diego Chargers. I mean, Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Uh, so those two. And then uh, Philadelphia Eagles just opened up. So now, does Biennami, does he rise up there? You know, you got, yeah. you know, I think that's a that's a job that uh, you know everybody thinks the tires are all flat on Carson Wentz. They probably can get him dra- get him traded. A good place to go probably would be Indianapolis. His former quarterbacks coach is there when they won the, when they won the championship. So as head coach, so you know the Eagles are going to be a, a good job for somebody. And uh, well, Bienemy would be a nice fit there. And he, he was Andy Reid guy, so Andy Reid. You know, still has he knows where to take him to eat pizzas and do everything you do in Philadelphia. So it should be fun. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And the Eagles have requested an interview with uh, Kellen Moore for their okay. head coaching job. Yeah, Kellen, okay, Kellen Moore. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know that Kellen. I don't, I don't know that that I'm ready to see Kellen Moore get a, get an offensive coordinator or get a head coaching opportunity yet. Uh, with some of these other names out there lurking around, so, uh, but lots of lots of interesting things happening in the NFL. Stay tuned. I'm sure we'll have some more uh, chatter as far as that goes. So let's jump into college now. Uh, let's jump into the real UT. Craig, you know who I'm talking about? Uh, not the horned UT. <laughs> no, that is the real UT. No, <laughs> um, I, I love my my Tennessee my Tennessee fan friends. Uh, that that I say that to, they're like, oh, they get they get all they get all bent out of shape. I, I say that completely tongue in cheek. But uh, Steve Sarkeesian, if you've been living under a rock, he is the new head coach at uh, the University of Texas. He's made some moves. He's basically just hired Alabama coaches um, so far, um, and then I think, um, yeah, I think he's just hired Alabama coaches at this point. Uh, so. Is he doing a good job of putting putting the staff together? Uh, it was rumored that his defensive coordinator was going to be Dan Lanning from from Georgia. Um, Dan Lanning has has said, "quote Let's run it back," uh, and is not leaving uh, the University of Georgia. So, um, what what's next for Sark? How, who who does he fill with his defensive coordinator spot? Well, that's a good question. Uh, there have been a lot of names floated out there uh, for that position, uh, you know, and. As you said, all he's hired so far have been Alabama people. Kyle Flood, a uh, good hire, is uh, offensive line coach uh, and uh, OC. And then also uh, you have uh, Jeff Banks from Alabama, the special teams coordinator for them. And then uh, his quarterback uh, coach is going to be uh, A.J. Uh, Milway, if I pronounce that correctly, who, who – was uh, going to be on Butch Jones' staff at Arkansas State and uh, wised up and went to Texas and uh, with Sark. Uh, you know, it's good. It, you know, I heard an interview on uh, on the radio with Sark and uh, it, extremely impressive man. He had all the right answers uh, when it came to what needed to be done and uh, the traditions of Texas. It's safe to say that he took a little bit of notes at the Saban Coaching Academy. 
Uh, absolutely. There is no doubt about that. And listen, if you're a Texas fan, you have to be just gushing after seeing the innovative ways he was able to get uh, Devontae Smith the ball in that national championship game. Some of the routes uh, that he did, some of the ways that he would get him isolated and get him get the defensive back uh, playing catch-up uh, the way he was uh, in motion. I, I, you have to be tickled to death uh, to be able to get a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, I think Sark is going to be a great representative in Austin. I think I think he's going to get that program back on track. They've been essentially derailed since Mac Brown retired, and uh, and they, they just hadn't been the same since. And they, they need somebody that's going to come in there and, and lift them because – I consider them right now the third best program in the state of Texas behind A&M and TCU. Um, just kind of where they're at recruiting and just kind of where they are overall. And so they need somebody that's going to be innovative. Check. They need somebody who's going to be aggressive in recruiting. Check. Um, I mean, the University of Texas recruits itself in that state. And for Tom Herman not to recruit to that level – speaks even more volumes and, and that's even more sad that he couldn't out recruit AM and you're the flagship university in the, in that entire state. So and, and Sark is Sark is building his staff and he's building his staff really well and I think he's getting getting a lot of the guys that he wants and I think he's gonna continue to 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 build. I don't know who he's gonna get a defense coordinator at this point. Uh I think he was also uh looking at Pete Golding or I think I said that right. Uh, the defensive coordinator, Nick Saban's defensive coordinator, which I think Saban would be glad to say, uh, okay, you can have him. That's cool. Um, well, yeah. I, I think one of the guys he's looking at is Mississippi State, new hire last year, came in from the West Coast, from San Diego State, uh, runs a three three five, and it's And I can't remember the guy's name right now, but I know he's he's – Looking at that, looking at that package because they they were they were sporty on defense. Now they yeah, they were they tough. Did a, they did a good job, and then uh, and I think one of the things I think it might be in play. Then if he goes there, then I think Dirk Ash could be at Mississippi State. Uh, so I know Ole Miss needs a defense coordinator as well. So uh, Kevin Steele, uh, he's landed defensive coach. He went to Tennessee, so he, he's he about was, to be the head coach at, at Tennessee. But we'll get to that. I'm, I'm sure Craig's got some, yeah, some, uh, yeah. some, some going there. But uh, Shark has done a great job getting his staff, and I think he'll continue to do that. And he'll bring in guys that are, uh, that are going to be difference makers for him at Texas. Everything's in place for for having great success soon. Kurt, so. did you give Sarkeesian a nickname, uh, Sark the Shark? Yeah, I, I love just- it, man. You just get yeah. hey, I like yeah. it too. I, I yeah. can I can get I can get behind it. But um, did you say Ole Miss was looking for a defensive coordinator? Yeah, I think they uh, they didn't. If they didn't, hopefully they didn't retain the guy they had from last year. So I think the way they played was not very effective on defense. I, so I haven't seen where they fired him. Maybe you know something I don't. Um, I hope they got rid of him. They needed to. Uh, they were beyond putrid on defense. But um, yeah, so. Let's let's jump into uh, let's jump into the volunteers. Uh, not not much to say about Texas right now because they're still they're still working out a whole lot of stuff. Jeff Levy signed a two year agreement uh, extension. Speaking of Ole Miss, worth one point two million per year. So um, Lane Kiffin made sure he retained him. Um, but let's uh, let's jump into uh, those volunteers. It's uh, 
that house of cards is really crumbling. We last time we spoke to you, there was a hiring freeze. Uh, apparently, that hiring freeze only counted towards Jeremy Pruitt because uh, Phil Fulmer decided he was going to make a hire uh, in Kevin Steele. What I think Fulmer's doing is hiring his next head coach. I, I think they're loading all of the guns and pointing them at at Pruitt, and uh, they're going to launch him out of the head coaching seat, and it's not going to be pretty. And they're using this whole investigation to uh, to do so. So, uh, you know, Craig, I know you're I know you're wound up. I know you've got a lot to to say about this. So I'm gonna cede the floor to you. Tell me what is happening at UT. Well, you mentioned the the investigation, internal investigation. Um, so, you know, it, it remains to be seen as to what is uncovered. Um, you know, they have at the moment um, two assistant coaches that will have a contract run out in a couple of weeks. Uh, is that – are they going to let it run out on purpose because they want to replace those guys? Or are those two guys going to also going to be the scapegoat with whatever is found uh, by – in this internal investigation? There are a lot of uh, moving parts right now. In this, uh, you know, I was surprised, you know, as as anybody, you know, when it comes out that you have a hiring freeze and then all of a sudden uh, here's Kevin Steele uh, being uh, hired $450,000 a year as a defensive assistant. So that remains to be seen as to what uh, position he's going to be a defensive assistant to. Uh, and, and then also just here recently, they've hired a – um, an, an assistant strength and conditioning coach. So I, I guess you just don't know at this point what, what they're sending out there. Now, uh, you know, I, I, Pruitt has been – there's been a lot of smoke with Pruitt getting getting canned. Obviously hasn't happened yet. Um, it will cost them a lot of money to get rid of him, you know, which doesn't seem to be a problem. For example, Auburn, they – they were able to pull it off, and it was a lot more money than what Tennessee's going to do, even though, you know, basically uh, getting rid of Pruitt and assistance could probably be, would probably be around $18 million. Now, if Kevin Steele is your guy, I mean, he was a finalist the first time around when uh, former hired Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, if he's your guy, it's going to be not going to be an easy sell to Tennessee fans. I mean, when you're at Baylor mm-hmm. and you're six and 37, that's not a good sell for Tennessee fans. This is our next coach whose head coaching pedigree is well, record is six and 37. Yeah. I, I, you have to think Kurt that this is, it's getting messier and messier. And, and, and this is, I mean, Phil is I don't know what the hell he's doing up there. He is he is selling him selling his soul to the devil. He's whatever cliche you wanna you wanna make about hiring a guy like Kevin Steele, who if he comes in, if he's not the head coach, he's gonna make sure he does everything he can to try to make the head coach look bad so that the head coach will get fired and then he might get promoted. So he tried to he had a failed coup attempt at uh, at Auburn with Gus Malzahn. And it didn't. It backfired on him, and it didn't work out. So six to thirty-seven, awful. Um, I, I would, I would get a good hearty belly laugh if uh, if Tennessee hires Kevin Steele. I'm gonna put it to you that way. 
I, I think that would be a joke of a hire uh, as a head coach. Good defense. He's a good coordinator. Uh, don't get me wrong. He, he his defenses were, were were pretty strong and pretty stout uh, at Auburn. Uh, he would bring Rodney Gardner with him, uh, who has had recruiting success at Tennessee uh, under Fulmer. Uh, so there's some recognition there. But as a head coach, no, thank you. Um, you're going you're, you're going to tell me that you're going to pay all this money or go through all this investigation, which is also not necessarily financially costly, but reputation wise, it's very costly right now. You're, you're sacrificing some of your reputation, Kurt, to, uh, to go through this investigation. So, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I'd like to go back because it seems like history does repeat itself. Just a few short years ago, there was a coach in Georgia named Mark Rick. Yep. There's assistant coach named Jeremy Pruitt. Yep. And the word on the street, the coaching street was he got everything stirred up and he got somebody fired. I don't know if that was true or not, but that's what happened. So sometimes history does repeat itself. Some people make the same, you know, situations come up and this time it may come up and end up biting uh, Jeremy Pruitt. If those, if that happened the way I was told that it did happen. Where what goes around comes around. I yeah, heard the so, same. So, I heard the same thing. So there's a lot of smoke on that too. Yeah. So so that that's what I look at it as, and I see former uh, former's been on that side too. Now, I mean Johnny Majors, you know, stepped out for a while. Craig, update us on that. You remember that? What was the history of that hire? They all deserve each other, in my opinion. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, Johnny Majors has a health scare. Philip Fulmer comes in. Uh, does really well. They go undefeated, and uh, they pretty much tell Johnny, uh, "Okay, we don't need you anymore. Just yeah. move on." So, so it, you know, so I, I, and obviously a very, very contentious relationship between Johnny Majors and Philip Fulmer uh, from then on. There, it came to a point where you know Majors would not be in the same room with Philip Fulmer. So, uh, uh, you know. Obviously, you're right. Uh, there, there's, there's, there's some uh, history there as far as that's concerned. Well, I, th- I think I believe in karma. I believe in the circle premises from the Indian heritage, and I think a lot of times you have things that happen, uh, you know. And, and uh, so I, I think I think it's I think we're on track to see a, something crazy going to go on in Tennessee. I don't know how it's all going to end up, but. I just know those three parties, they've been involved in things in the past in history, and history has, a scene, has, its, has its way to seem to, uh, to uh, repeat itself. Well, let me say this, guys. D- Doug Matthews is on locally in the Nashville. Uh, he, he and Philip Fulmer are best friends. And he came out when, when the steel hire was announced. He came out and said this was a Jeremy Pruitt hire. I don't know of anybody in, in the media that's more connected uh, with the AD than Doug Matthews. So that that's an interesting statement by him. I Yeah, he's best friends with him. I don't buy it. I don't buy it one bit. I don't buy it one bit. Then, then why not make – then <laughs> what's the point of the hiring freeze? I, yeah. I don't get it. Like there's so much – there's so so many so many avenues that you can look at and go, yeah, that just it doesn't look right. Nothing seems right about this. So, um, yeah, I, there's I, no doubt there's more to come here. 
no uh, doubt about it. <laughs> it's not even not even close. Not even close. Um, so it's going to be a freaking soap opera down there, uh, or over there, I should say, in Knoxville. So uh, speaking of uh, Tennessee football, uh, the Titans are uh, are looking at Terrell Austin as uh, for their new defensive coordinator role. Uh, so that'll be that'll be interesting. There, some some quick hitting uh, things. Vanderbilt has become uh, pretty active in hiring some guys. They've hired a bunch of off off the field guys. Brandon Horgan, uh, who spent the last seven seasons at Wake Forest, has been announced as director of football strength and conditioning. Barton Simmons is the GM or uh, director of player personnel. I heard some other guys that I've uh, that I've never heard of as uh, on the field assistants, which. I got to assume they're pretty good. Um, Chicago or the Seahawks have uh, are looking at Anthony Lynn for their offensive coordinator opening when after they've uh, let go of Brian Schottenheimer. Um, and so uh, some other quick hitting news. Bill O'Brien um, is the name uh, to replace Sarkeesian. I don't know how we feel about that. We'll, we'll, we'll rapid fire through there. Let you guys pick through this information and react uh, as you, as you will. Um, Mississippi state defensive coordinator is Zach Arnett is the name you were looking for. Kurt Zach Arnett is interviewing for the Texas defensive coordinator job. Be a great hire there. Um, Seth McDonald is leaving in the, uh, Indiana to join Kane Womack staff uh, in South Alabama. That's a, that's a random one. Um, but other than that, the, the, uh, the, a lot of the college jobs, uh, beyond those, beyond those few are, uh, just assistants going back and forth and, uh, poor Shane Beamer. He is, uh, you want to talk about Sarkeesian creating, uh, Alabama West, uh, looks like Brian Harson is creating South Carolina West. What do you guys think about that? Pretty amazing, you know. He has poached now the a, a third assistant from South Carolina and defensive line coach Tracy Rocker. Of course, Rocker played at Auburn, uh, had a, an outstanding career there, and also had a really good uh, NFL career. Um, you know, uh, it, it's high. interesting. Yeah, I mean, this it's interesting that this is that he has poached. Uh, uh, Will Friend, who came to South Carolina from Tennessee, and Mike Bobo, the offensive coordinator, and now Rocker. Uh, Makes you wonder. Uh, I, I would say when uh, Auburn and South Carolina play in uh, 2021, it, that will be an interesting ball game, to say the least. I'll put it to you this way. If Beamer has a chance to run the score up, he's going to do it. Yeah, that, and, and part of me, uh, part of me hopes he does. <laughs> Ahead, well, Kurt. let's 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 look at let's look at this now. Auburn lost to South Carolina, I think, for the first time in over fifty years this year. So I don't know if he'll get to run the score up. So I think Auburn Auburn's in good shape there. Now, let's look at South Carolina, who they hired offensive coordinator, the Joe Brady tree. Here we go, Matt Rule. So they hired Marcus uh, Satterfield from uh, he was assistant coaching for Joe Brady and offensive staff at Carolina. He sent – so Joe Brady's going to have three guys in the Southeastern Conference. He's got his two understudies from Carolina Panthers going to LSU, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, two of those guys. Ogeron hired both of them. And then now Marcus Satterfield from Carolina Panthers, former Tennessee Tech coach, uh, got got uh, dismissed there and uh, was with, with, with 
was with Matt Rule up in Temple. And when Matt Rule made the move to Baylor, Marcus Satterfield stopped off and became a head coach for a short time at Tennessee Tech. He's now going to call the plays for South Carolina and Shane Beamer. So uh, Joe Brady, uh, you know, he's not a far – he. He's, he might be the guy at the last minute jumps in that Houston picture. Uh, I'm hearing a few. I'm hearing that a little bit. Uh, he's interviewed with the Eagles I think too. He's a guy. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think. I think that's. I think that's a. I think that would be a slam dunk. I mean, I would commend those guys if they could get Joe Brady because he'll bring something just unique. And then, you know, if anybody can help. You know, smooth out Carson Wentz for a year or so, or do you go with Hurts? You know, uh, I think he he'd be a guy I could trust and make a great decision there. So, Joe Brady, uh, we've only seen him a short time, but boy, has he made an impact in, in a lot of different programs in SEC. So, and I know Corey, you've tracked him and yeah. uh, big in the RPO and doing a lot of things that uh, that is innovative, and you're doing those things as well in coaching. So, be interested to see what goes on next. Yeah, I think it'll be, uh, you know, I think he's the next name that, that goes off the board uh, somewhere. Whether, I mean, I, I would like to, I mean, <laughs> I keep saying this, but I'd like to see the Chargers hire him. Uh, I think he'd be great for the Chargers. I think if the Chargers hire uh, enemy Daybowl, or Joe Brady, they can't go wrong there. Uh, the Eagles, I think if they get Joe Brady, that'd be a home run. I, I think he's. I think he could figure out a way. Uh, to make something out of nothing there with uh, with that Philadelphia roster, which is freaking awful. Um, I, I think if he goes, I think if he ends up in Houston, that would be a grand slam. Uh, if if you can imagine Joe Brady with uh, with Deshaun Watson, uh, that would be that would be an incredible incredible pairing. So uh, look look forward to seeing kind of where he ends up. I don't think I, I would be highly shocked if Joe Brady was the Offensive coordinator for the for the Carolina Panthers next year. I would be highly highly surprised. So, um, yeah, I'd like to throw out something. Wade Wade Phillips. Um, I, I could see Joe Brady packaging with Wade Phillips and those guys going to Philadelphia Eagles, and they would put the scare of life into the Redskins and the old Cowboys because Wade Phillips he knows the Cowboys, you know. Yeah, so does. if he was there, you know, he took a retirement year, and I think he's he'll step he could step in and do what he did for Sean McVay, getting them to the Super Bowl, and then uh, I think he could do the same for Philadelphia. I think I think you package that guy with an offensive guru like Sean McVay was. Success was predicated on how they played and how simple and how fast they played on defense. Plus, he had some pretty good defensive players, but. Uh, Philadelphia uh, can get can get after it really quick with those guys paired up. So it'll be interesting to see what what goes on developing in those areas, and that might that may trigger some other things too within the NFL, within our within our pedigree, and within our footprint of the Southeastern Conference. So looking back on it, um, you know that that that'll be that'll be interesting to kind of see where that. Uh, where, where that ends up and what how that situation shakes out. So before we before we get out of here, uh, we we are we are drawing uh, to that end mark. A couple of local Tennessee high school or not mid t- Middle Tennessee uh, coaching uh, news. The uh, Donnie Webb, uh, head coach of the Franklin now Admirals, uh, after nine seasons has resigned. Uh, reason unknown. Uh, 
think it's think it's health related. So if it is health related, hope he gets well. Um, had a good nine year run uh, that included a quarterfinal appearance in uh, in a very 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 tough league in uh, in six A. So they're looking for a head coach. Uh, maybe maybe it's me. Um, Blackman High School also uh, Kit Hartsfield uh, making the move down to Mount Pleasant High School. Uh, so that leaves uh, Blackman High School, a team that's loaded with talent, uh, at, at, with an opening uh, for head for head coach. So, what, what what do you guys think about these two uh, these two positions here? Uh, well, I'll say about Franklin. I grew up in Franklin, so uh, a lot of history there. Uh, and you know, Donnie Webb is a good guy, good, really good guy, really great guy. He, I've worked with him several times through the media. Very gracious, very very forthcoming with, with information uh, that, you know, and he really didn't know me. So just really not your typical uh, coach who, you know, gives you the old tongue in cheek, but uh, wish him the best uh, because, uh, you know, it, he's in a tough, he was in a tough situation at Franklin, man. You've got Brentwood and you've got Ravenwood, um, you know, and then this year you're going to have Summit, and they're the defending 5A state champions. They move up to 6A. So, and that region is so, so loaded. Um, it's going to be – You got to beat the man. Yeah, uh, that's right. And, and it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, uh, the, the names that are going to get thrown out there, you know, as who's going to be who's going to be uh, interested in that job. Obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're rooting for a uh, guy on our podcast here to uh, – to get that position, that would be great. That would be outstanding. I, I think, too, you know, I'm going to go back to Kit Hartsfield going to Mount Pleasant. That, that indicates to me, uh, uh, if you're going from Blackman to Mount Pleasant, if you if you just step away from that on the surface, you're going, what? Uh, it didn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, he, he sees Oakland. Uh, obviously, Riverdale had a really good year. They had a really good football team. They're coming back up. I think he just got tired of butting heads with Oakland and knowing, looking at, you know, looking at what's coming up. You know, Oakland's going to be loaded again uh, this coming fall. Uh, and, you know, he decides to go to Mount Pleasant. It was, I mean, like I said, if you look at it on, on paper, you go, why are you going from a Blackman who's a very, very, you know, a large 6A school, which you would think you'd be able to get a lot of football players to a small-town double-A school in Mount Pleasant. Nah, that, that baffles me. I think one of the things with the coach at, yeah, at Mount Pleasant, I think he's from Shelbyville, so he's used to the small town. I think that's what you – know, he moved from there to uh, Riverdale as a, a high school senior. Uh, so I think that, that, that bodes well. I think he's looking forward to that. As far as, uh, Franklin, you know, I think a guy like Corey Burton here, an offensive minded coach would be, would bring excitement and enthusiasm to the whole program. Uh, as, as you know, Donnie Webb was a defensive coach. Uh, he, he never, he, he did his play calling on defense. So I think that would be a unique thing for Franklin to have, and the coaches prior to them have all been defensive coaches the past three head coaches. So a guy like Corey Burton here on our podcast, we're putting that, putting it out that uh, he would be an excellent candidate for Franklin. Uh, he's been competitive and coached well in a, in a tough, 
situation and got the most out of it. Had, you know, had uh, season uh, leading passing and catching and scoring, and that's what you got to have this day and this day and time. And I think he would he would bode well for Franklin the Admirals. I'm not used to Admirals, but they're, I've, I've got to adjust and change and with the times. But I think that's what they needed an offensive coach, and I think that would that would fit well. And Coach Burton's on our podcast. We know how to get a hold of him, Mr. Mm-hmm. Principal at Franklin High School. Shane we'll get Pantel. You in touch with him immediately. There you go. So uh, he's uh, he's he's got a chance to get uh, a great, great uh, young coach on the rise. And, and the big thing is to make it an offensive coach. Uh, that community needs an offensive coach, and I think that's what they're they're deserving and they're aching for it. And I think that really will help. Because the, the tweener players, I think, over the years have all escaped the Franklin Rebels, now Franklin Admirals uh, attendance. And I think they've gone to other places in the community through private schools and, and even moving to other areas. So I think they'll stay at home with an offensive head coach. That's so the goal. Burton, let's go get it, man. That's the goal. That's keep, keep, the, keep the Franklin <laughs> kids in Franklin. Don't let them get to BGA. Don't let them get That's to right. BA. Don't let them get to Innsworth. Uh, don't let them get down the road to uh, Centennial uh, or uh, Ravenwood or wherever else you would go in uh, in Williamson County. That would be uh, that would be a, a good fit for you. Uh, Franklin is going to be the good fit. That that's that's where that's going to be the destination. So uh, if, if I'm the guy, uh, we're going to build uh, we're going to build the freshman program. We're going to you know keep the keep the numbers strong in the freshman program and the JV programs. Um, you know, get the strength numbers up, uh, elevate the scoring, get the excitement going, give the uh, give the students something to uh, to really cheer about, give the community something really to cheer about. Um, you know, be be elite in all aspects of the program, from fundraising to weights to offense to defense to special teams to academics, uh, getting getting kids at the next level, things like that. So, uh, you know, you you got to be a you got to be a total program. You got to build a total player, um, and it's going to be, uh, you know, it's not going to be easy in that region. But you know, is there anything out there that's worth it? That's easy. No, nope. we're going to grow that program like we're going to grow this podcast. It's just going to explode. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be like that roller coaster. Here we go, and then boom, explode right onto you. Um, so. That, that's that's uh that's my that's my goal for uh for the Franklin Admirals, unless they don't hire me, then I don't really care. But um, if you're if you're listening, Doctor Pantall, and I'm sure he I'm, is, I'm your guy. I'm sure I'm sure he will. I'm sure he'll he'll open this on Saturday morning, going oh, coaching chatter. Okay, I don't yeah. need to, I don't need to interview. We're good. We got our guy. Um, and then uh you know some guy named Kurt Page I think uh, would consider. Uh, we consider uh, a spot on the staff. I don't know. I'd have to ask him. I'm available. So, Greg <laughs> and I are available. We can get you, we can get to Franklin. We know where that's located. There you go. There you go. <laughs> don't don't have to put that in your GPS. That's good. So, uh, but yeah, lots of excitement there. Um, gearing up for uh for that opportunity. Hopefully that hopefully that comes to fruition. Um, and so. But that's going to do it for this podcast. Um, again, uh, Dr. Pantall, if you're listening, uh, just fast forward to the end. That's all you need to hear. But um, 
for uh, Craig Ladd and Kurt Page, we are the Coaching Chatter Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Uh, another great show in the books, the Coaching Carousel. It just keeps on going, keeps on chugging like the Energizer Bunny. Uh, so we'll have way more for you again next week um, as things unfold very, very quickly. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the NFL playoffs, and uh, we'll talk – uh, impending FCS football. That'll be that'll be something fun. And then we'll just keep going, keep going, and keep going, and keep going. Um, and then if things really get dry, we'll we'll uh, we'll do some breakdowns. So that'll be uh, that'll be good. So uh, for Kurt, for Craig, I'm Corey Burton. This is the Coaching Chatter Podcast. We want to wish you a great weekend. Enjoy all the action uh, of the NFL coming up, and uh, we will see you back here next week. And with that. Goodbye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.